I want to talk today about how Christ has come to give us a resurrected life. Christ has come to give us a resurrected life. You know, this morning I was reading through a number of different books and chapters in the Bible, and I came upon the Easter uh, scene in John, in, in John chapter 20. And I was going through that, and I was sitting there kind of just playing out in my mind this whole experience of what it was like for Jesus when he went to the cross. You know, you think about that, and that was like the darkest day in history when Jesus went to the cross. Uh, it looked like he had lost. It really did. It really looked like he lost, and, and the enemy, I'm sure, was beginning to celebrate. Uh, but something happened. You know, there, as the enemy, I'm sure, is beginning to celebrate, thinking that he had conquered the Christ, the Savior, finally put him in the grave, that kind of thing. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes somebody that was just brighter than the sun coming towards Satan and all the fallen angels. And I'm sure Satan was kind of playing this out like, um, we're all accounted for, aren't we? Who is this coming towards us that's walking with such authority, with such confidence? I mean, I can't even look at him. Who is this coming? There's fire in his eyes. There's a robe on him that says, King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is this? And I'll tell you who he was. He is the great I am. The grave couldn't hold him back. Death couldn't contain him. The forces of hell could not stop him. And he came and he said these words. He said, I was dead, but now I am alive forever and ever. Amen. But I've got good news for you. In addition to this, is that just as God raised Jesus Christ up from the dead, the Bible makes it clear that we have been resurrected, that we have been raised up from the dead as well. That we are seated in heavenly places. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 it says, And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere, by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one. Have you ever noticed that when you watch like a sports game, it could be football, have you ever noticed the cameras don't go to the loser's locker room? They go to the winner's locker room. And I'm telling you, the camera right now is on Jesus on the end on his winning team. We are part of that winning team. And you may not feel like you are winning right now in life, but the good news is that the end of the Bible makes it clear we win. We are a part of something so much bigger than the circumstances and the situations. And I can tell you, if the grave couldn't hold Jesus back, that same power that has raised Jesus up from the dead is the same power that's now residing in each and every one of us as believers when we receive Jesus Christ. That same power that raised Jesus up from that grave, that same power has the ability to overcome that financial situation, that relationship situation. That same power has the ability to overcome any obstacle and any hindrance in your life. One thing I've learned in order to know that you're a part of a winner's team is you've got to put your head up, you could say, and your shoulders back. You've got to learn to fake it until you make it kind of thing or faith it until you make it. In other words, you've got to choose to believe that what Jesus Christ has done for us is the truth. It is the final authority in our lives. 
No matter what is screaming at you, no matter how much the odds are stacked against you in your life, you are a part of a winning team. And as long as you keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith, what he's begun in you, he is going to complete it and finish it to the end. You have the greater one, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, that the greater one is in us than he that's in this world. That greater one is the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus up from the dead. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, If the Spirit of the one who resurrected Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, then you can be sure that he who raised him up will cast the light of life into your mortal bodies through the life-giving power of the Spirit residing in you. That was Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The only problem that I find among Christians is that most Christians are unaware of how to tap into this resurrection power that's living on the inside of them. There was an individual, some friends of ours knew this uh, family, For three generations, they were a part of an occult practice. In fact, the young man who ended up giving his life to the Lord, he said his father was the warlock uh, over the, the occult practice in Alaska. To make a long story short, this son of his was telling him that his dad had this ability to leave his body and to go through the spiritual realm flying. He had this, I know it sounds really out there, but he had this ability to do things spiritually through demonic forces. To make a long story short, one time he was explaining to his son, he said he came upon a house that he was going to cast a spell, some curses on an individual. And when he came to the house, he said he could not penetrate the walls like he normally could. So he stopped and he went and looked into a window and he saw that man who was very dark, For him, it was very dark. But all around him, surrounding him, were people that their their faces were so bright. He said, I have never seen so much light coming out of anything in my life. It was so bright I could barely look, surrounding this man. Well, he later came to find out that they were actually having a Bible study in that man's house and praying for that specific individual. And he said, as long as those believers, Christians, were there surrounding him, I could not penetrate that house. And he said to his, his son, he said, if believers understood the power that is on the inside of them, they would never be afraid another day in their life. Most Christians are unaware of the power that is living on the inside of them. The same power that raised Jesus out of the grave is living on the inside of you and me when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And God wants us to become aware of that. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, the apostle Paul said that one of his greatest quests was to know that power That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He wanted to come to comprehend that power. It was his quest in life. So in addition to his writings, you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in the Amplified Version, it says in verse 1, he said that his greatest quest in life was to to know love, to understand what love really looks like. In addition to knowing what love looks like, he wanted to understand what that power of that resurrection that's living on the inside of us was like. And how to tap into that. He wanted to know how to tap into that resurrection power that was living on the inside of him. So that was the desire of his heart. 
And I think we need to come to a place in our life where we hunger for that, just like we want to know what love looks like. We want to know and understand what God's love is like so we can become better lovers here on earth. But we also need to understand that another phase of that love is God's power. Contained in that love is power that raised Jesus out of the dead. You heard me say it last week. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus on the cross. It was his love that held him on the cross. He had the ability, he had the power to take himself off that cross if he chose to do it. He said himself that I have the ability to call upon 12 legions of angels. In other words, 10,000s of angels to come by my side to deliver me. And he said, no one takes my life from me. I laid my life down. It was love that held him on the cross for you and for me. It wasn't, it wasn't those nails. It was his love. And wrapped in that love is power. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, that I want to understand that resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead that's residing on the inside of me. God wants his people to learn, to tap into that resurrection power. Think of it, if, it, if death and the grave and Satan himself and all the fallen angels could not hold Jesus back because that resurrection power was so powerful. And you have to remember that resurrection power was not just raising Jesus up, it was raising all of you and me up. That resurrection power was the most powerful moment in history when Jesus was raised up because it wasn't just Jesus it was all of us that, was being, that were being raised up at the same time, being resurrected in Christ. You know, someone uh, shared with us, and he's in full-time ministry. He's, he's touched scores, hundreds of thousands of people for Christ that have come to Christ through his ministry. And one time he was having a heavenly encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said this to him. He said, Jesse, you do understand I have the power to take a life if I wanted to. And he said, yes, sir, I understand that. And then he went on to say to Jesse, he said, but Jesse, he said, I don't have the authority. I gave my authority to my people. And too many of my people are coming home to be with me premature before their time because of what they're saying, what they're speaking. So many of God's people, instead of using the word of God and decreeing what God and his word is saying, they are using their own words to describe their future. And listen, you frame your world with your words. One of the ways that we tap into this resurrection power is what we are speaking. It's one of the main keys that God has given us here on earth, is to speak God and his word over the situation, not the report of the enemy. God needs us to understand how vitally important it is to be calling things that be not as though they are. He imitated it. He wants us to imitate what he has done, what he has shown us. And yet so many people use their words so loosely. Like in World War II, loose lips sink what? And that is true today, isn't it? James goes on to explain, listen, your tongue is like the rudder to a ship. It turns the ship any direction you want it to go. That little rudder turns a massive ship. One of the main ways, keys in life to tapping into the resurrection power is what we speak. Are we speaking God and his word over the situation? Are we speaking what the enemy is saying over the situation? We need to understand that God has given us creative force to speak life and blessing or death and cursing. You know, sometimes I'll take just a few moments. I'm not going to take a lot of time with this, but 
Jesus, you know, sometimes people question, well, what do you mean he doesn't have authority? He has the power, but he's given us the authority. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 28 for just a moment. Let's look back at the Great Commission. In verse 18, I believe it is, let's just kind of read through it just a little bit. What is he saying? All authority has been given in heaven and earth has been given to who? To him. Correct. Now, what's the next thing he says? Now, go therefore, right? Baptizing. What does that sound like? Anybody, an employer or a supervisor here, you know what I'm, what, what do you do when you say to an employee, go get something done? What are you doing? You're putting your authority on them. They are now representing you and they go get the job done. So if someone says, you know, Sean told me to come and get you, it's no different than me going to get them myself, right? We need to understand Jesus was saying, now you go. In fact, in the book of Luke, he says, all authority, all power, I give to you now. I give it to you. Go lay hands on the sick, raise up the dead, cast out demons, and do it all in my name. So that authority is wrapped up in the name of Jesus, that every name is, a, every name is under the name of Jesus. And when we use his words, his life, his name, and we begin to call things that be not as though they are. Well, how do I talk? Because sometimes Chris is always kind of like, well, what am I supposed to say? I'm trying to tell you, Pastor, what's going on, but I don't want to say the wrong thing. Just kind of think of me when you're coming to me for counseling or whatever it is or to one of our team members and you have a bad owie going on in your marriage or your family. Be open and honest. Don't say, you know, don't, you got to let us know where it hurts. If you go to the doctor and you've got an owie and you start calling things that be not as they are to them, they're going to look strange at you. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? You're healed. Why are you here? So when you come to the pastor, when you go to the doctor, you need to let them know where the owie is. But what I'm talking about is from that point on, not going around talking to everybody else, explaining what's going on. You've got to start calling things that be not as though they are. You've got to start using your authority to release God's ability. God has all power, but you have been given all authority. And together we are one with each other. And when you release your authority, you release God's ability, his power in your life. So you go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19 Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, he's saying, I've given you heaven's controls here on earth. Whatever you bind, whatever you loose, it's going to be done for you. In other words, you have this ability. Now use it. Use your authority in my name, and I will be able to release my ability on your behalf. Jesus once said this to me. He said, you have heaven's controls here on earth. You have heaven's controls here on earth. How? Once again, through our words. I won't take too much more time with this, but Proverbs chapter 18, verse 7. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That power is residing on the inside of you. God doesn't need to hear anything except what's coming out of your mouth. It just underneath your nose is when you release that power if you're releasing your authority. 
You don't have to be screaming and shouting and yelling and calling things that be not as though they are. You don't have to be loud and obnoxious. You can, you can just say it quietly because that power is on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is living and abiding on the inside of you when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That power that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you. That greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. You never have to be afraid another day in your life when you understand that greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. God has put a protection around you and in you. He has got your back. He is your rear guard. In fact, have you ever noticed that the full armor in Ephesians chapter 6 never mentions anything about any rear armor? Put on the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, take up the shield of faith, quench all the fiery dice of the wicked one, take up the sword of the spirit, the word of God, put on the belt of truth, charge your feet with the gospel of peace, but it doesn't talk anything about anything for the rear. Why? Because God doesn't want you running from your enemies. He wants you to face fear and intimidate fear with your faith. God wants you to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You never have to be afraid another day in your life. You know, I remember one time shortly after Amy and I got married, we were visiting a pastor, a friend of ours that was speaking, and I was up in northern Minnesota speaking at a church, and we just thought, let's go listen to him, and we're cheering him on kind of thing, and we were being touched by the power of the message, and at the end of the service, the pastor got up of the church that was hosting this uh, speaker, and he said, say, we've got some missionaries here today too, and he said, I'd really like to have us all just stretch out our hands of faith towards these missionaries and pray for them today. And so we all just kind of stretched out our hands by faith as if we were touching them ourselves. And we were just releasing our faith over those missionaries. And right after we got done finishing praying, there was a man that came up to Amy and I. And he asked me this question. He said, can I ask you a question? He said, "Where? who are you? And I just said, well, I'm Sean. I'm just visiting the church and so on. And and he said, but no, no, who are you? And I said, well, my child of God or something. I don't know how I responded, but he said, you need to understand something. He said, when you were stretching out your hands towards those missionaries, he said, I literally could see a brilliant light coming out of your hands, something I have never seen before, but a light. He said, you've got to lay hands on people. Listen, God is no respecter of persons. That same Holy Spirit that's residing on the inside of me is residing on the inside of all believers who receive him into their life. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's living inside of you and me. But we've got to learn to tap into that resurrection power and not be afraid or intimidated by the enemies of our soul. We've got to choose to live by faith. And not by sight. Here's the thing that I found. When we talk, whatever we tolerate in life, we will continue to live with in life. When we decide to get fed up with mediocre, average, living life, that's the day that the resurrection power can go into place for us and working on our behalf. Is when we get a righteous anger that just says, enough is enough. I'm not going to tolerate this lack this poverty, this curse, I have been redeemed from the curse. And I have the blessing of God Almighty on my life. And when you get fed up, not at the people, it's not against flesh and blood, but when you have had enough as enough, 
Like in the uh, movie War Room, if anybody's ever seen that. Oh, great movie. But here is, you know, this, this woman, and she's got her husband that's not living for, him, for Jesus yet at that point. And she goes into her prayer closet, and she just finally, she gets fed up. She's had enough. Enough is enough. And she gets fed up, and she starts taking the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, and she starts using the Word of God. I love that movie because it's exactly what we are Christians are supposed to be doing. And we will be held accountable whether we've done that or not. Or if we just let the enemy still kill and destroy our marriages and our families. Have we put prayer into place? Have we taken up the shield of faith? Have we taken up the sword of the spirit? Have we done our part? Because there are too many sissy Christians that are sitting back just letting the enemy walk all over them and trump them every single time. And they sit there and think of themselves as a victim as woe is me. It's time for you to get fed up with average, mediocre life and say enough is enough. I'm not going to let the devil take my husband. I'm not going to let the devil take my wife. I'm not going to let the devil take my children from me and my house. We will serve the Lord. We've got to get fed up with the devil. This is not against flesh and blood. This is a principality thing. This is the spiritual forces. And if it couldn't hold Jesus back, it can't take your marriage. It can't take your family. He can't take your finances. He can't take your house. He can't take your car. You've got to get fed up, though. You've got to get to the point where enough is enough. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. And you get out your sword of the Spirit and you begin to use it against the devil. I don't care if you're a baby Christian, five days old, trying to hold up your pamper with one hand and take up the sword of the Spirit with the other hand that's massive and you just start swinging that thing. I'm telling you, the devil's going to start running from you. I don't care how young or old you are. That sword is the armor of God that he's given you. And it's time for God's people to say enough is enough. I've got the greater one living on the inside of me. And take it into your prayer room, into your prayer closets, and use the light, the sword of the Spirit against darkness and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Listen, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that he came to give you and me life more abundantly until it overflows. In other words, he didn't come to give you just an ordinary life. He came to give you an extraordinary life. And if you're living just an ordinary life, it's time to get fed up with just living an ordinary life and start to learn to live the extraordinary life until it overflows in your life. But once again, back in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, it says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. We've got to get to the place where we understand that power that's residing on the inside of us. Philippians 4, 13, I love what it says in the Amplified Version. It says, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. You know, that's one of the best things we can do is when we're going through something tough is to pull out the sword of the Spirit and start using it. Maybe it's a an obstacle or a hindrance, an adversity that's it's big, it's been hindering you, like you're never going to get married or you're never going to have children. And you start taking the sword of the Spirit out and you start proclaiming the decreeing and declaring the promises of God that God has no respect or persons over my life. He says in his word that as I delight myself in the Lord, he'll give me the desires of my heart. And if I seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added unto me. God, by his amazing grace, wants to give to us freely his love, his promises to us, but we've got to learn how to tap into it by faith. 
Watch what the scripture, what the apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, because this is one of the major keys in addition to using our words. Watch what he says. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. The Amplified says, actually, the power that is in us and for us. This same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, now is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. But the key word here is belief. You tap into the resurrection power just like all the promises of God by faith, by believing. By simply believing that greater is he that's on the inside of me, a fear is hindering you. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Take up the sword of the spirit. The apostle Paul said, and I believe it's 1 Timothy verse six, chapter 6, verse 12, to fight the good fight of faith. What does that mean? It means that it's already done for you. You just simply have to believe that it's already done. Like Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world there's going to be tribulations. In other words, there's going to be problems in this world. You better believe it. But that's not where he wants you to put your faith is in the world. He wants you to put your faith in his word. And so he says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. Be of good cheer. In other words, believe that what I have said is already done. What I have done is already done. And it is finished, as he said on the cross. It is finished. Listen, Satan may be the God of this world, but you've been delivered out from the powers of darkness. You've been conveyed into the kingdom of God's dear son's love. You have had all principalities and powers and darkness disarmed, according to the book of Colossians, from your life. You may be in this world, but you are not of this world. You are a part of another kingdom. You are a part of another, another government. You are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you know who you are, listen, listen, let me stop right there because somebody's saying, well, you don't know who I am because you don't know how many mistakes I've made. It's not who you are, it's whose you are. That precious crimson blood has been washed Oh, for you, for your life to wash away all the sins in your life that just as Christ is in all of his glory, so are you in this world. That when God looks at you, he looks at you the same way he looks at his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus prayed, God, help them to know the love that you love me with is the same love that you love them with. God loves you. And it doesn't matter where you're at right now in your life. All that matters is whose you are. And God will finish what he has started in your life. Just don't quit. That's the only way you can fail. That's why Micah 7, 8 says, don't rejoice over me, enemy, because I will get back up. The only way you can fail in life is if you quit. So if you just get back up and you keep wiping the dust off, then let me tell you, God becomes your rear guard. He cleans up the mess. He works all things together for your good, for those who love him. And he works with your heart right where it's at, even though your mind may not be fully renewed yet. God works with your heart, and that's where you sink your faith deep into it and say, God, I have messed up. I've made some big mistakes. And he says, I don't know it anymore. You've asked me to forgive you. I've forgiven you from your past, your present, and future. All I know to do is put my power that's residing on the inside of you and begin to work good out of every situation that you ever encounter. Listen, God is all sovereign. He's going to have his way one day. Fully, he will have his way. 
There are choices we make here on earth that's not his way. And that's why Jesus said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in, heaven. in other words, people have a choice. They have a free will. The better choice is let's live for Jesus with all of our heart. Because that's the right way to live. But what if we make a mistake? What if we mess up? God says, I work all things together for good for those who love the Lord. But we've got to do this by faith. And we've got to get fed up with enough is enough. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore in my life. I'm not going to tolerate this curse or the remnants of the curse or this lack or this sickness. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. Enough is enough. And you take up the sword of the Spirit and you begin to speak the sword of the Spirit out of your mouth. It's a double-edged sword, the Bible says. And when you begin to speak it, all angels, the angels, ministering spirits are sent to hearken to the voice of the Lord. And they will obey what the voice of God has said. And if you use the word of God over your circumstance, that all my needs are met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, angels go to work on your behalf. Why? Because it's what God said. And when you put God's word on your mouth, in your mouth, out of your mouth becomes a miracle. You have victory in your mouth. You have a miracle in your mouth. But you need to use it. Don't lose it. We've got to get fed up. Some friends of ours, he grew up, he had a German shepherd, and German shepherd is a big dog, as you can imagine. And he said his, his dad would take his German shepherd for a walk every, every day almost. And this German shepherd had a little uh, friend that he thought was fun to pick on, and it was a cat. So he'd walk his dog, you know, and he'd be walking down the sidewalk. But as soon as they got close to this particular house, and that cat was out in the lawn, that dog, that German shepherd, take off running full bore, 90 miles per hour at that cat. And he would be charging that cat, and that cat would just run up a tree or run and hide or whatever. You'd get out of that. It would scat quick. But one day that cat had had enough. And that dog saw him. He took off running, but that cat did something different. It arched its back. It got a real mean look on its face. That dog kept barreling. The father, the dad was like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. This cat's good. You know, this is a German shepherd. This is a cat. But that cat put up one paw and let out the loudest screech right before that dog got to that cat. He wasn't backing down. And when that dog saw that cat was not backing down, you know what that dog did? It ran right around the cat and kept on going. He said, my dog never picked on that cat another day in its life. I think that cat was coming to High Point Church. <laughs> it finally had enough. Enough is enough. It got fed up. You've got to get fed up with the enemy, with him picking on you, him harassing you. You've got to get fed up and say enough is enough because you've got somebody backing you up. In fact, I heard this story about this little bear cub that was out playing one day and this big old lion came upon it. And it was approaching, the little bear looked up at it and said, oh, no, kind of thing. It was really concerned. But the lion got a little bit closer, and when he did, all of a sudden he backed up, and it took off running. He thought, well, I'm pretty big. He was afraid of me. What he didn't know is that mama bear had walked up right behind him. God's got your back. He's your rear guard. He's watching you. The enemy's not afraid of you, but he is afraid of the greater one that's in you. And when you put to flight the enemy because of the authority 
The power is released from heaven to earth in and through your life. You need to understand he's not just a rear guard. He's in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I'll close with this story. I heard this true story about this minister. He was trapped in a room. It was a dream that he was having. And he was trapped in a room, the same room with Satan. And Satan was paralyzing him with his evil look. He was tormenting him. He said, I couldn't even get my eyes. I couldn't look away. I couldn't quote scripture. I couldn't pray. I couldn't do anything. I was so paralyzed by the fear that was coming, the, the, the evil that was coming from me. He said, I was so paralyzed. And every time I got panicky, he would start laughing at me. He said, but then, say that with me, but then, Jesus came into the picture and stood right between the two of them. Unusually, though, what Jesus did is he began to back up. And he thought, Jesus, no. No, Jesus, what are you doing? What are you doing? He got right next to the minister, right in front of him. And he was backing up from Satan, the one he had conquered. At Calvary, the one who he had whipped and defeated, he was backing away from. He got right in front of the minister, and the next thing he did is he took one more step, and he literally stepped right into the minister, his arms with his arms, Jesus' torso with his torso, Jesus' legs with his legs. And he said, the next thing I knew as a minister, he said, my arms shot up and pointed right at Satan. And when I did, immediately Satan fell, crumbled. He was paralyzed. And I walked out of that room fearlessly. You need to understand that power that raised Jesus from the dead is indeed living on the inside of you. When you receive Jesus Christ into your life, it changes everything. But we've got to learn to tap into that resurrection power. How? By faith. We've got to believe We've got to meditate this. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. We've got to know that resurrection power, as the Apostle Paul set out to be a quest, I've got to know that resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And the more you begin to focus on this, many of the great evangelists that have done great exploits here on earth, the one scripture that they have meditated on over and over, the ones that have miracle signs and wonders following them in their ministries, is 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. If you receive this, will you say amen? amen? Lord, we come to you with grateful hearts today, and we just believe that as we take your words and put them in our mouth, there will be miracles, signs, and wonders. And so today we believe in that resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, that no weapon formed against us or our families, our relationships, our careers, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Instead, we will rise up and become everything that you've called and destined us to become and to do. Not in our own ability, but through our authority and your power and your ability. Today, we use your words of faith, your words of love, to flow out of our mouth, to speak the truth, to use our mouth as a weapon not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and darkness. 
And we'll give you all the glory and all the honor for every miracle, sign, and wonder that comes to fruition as a result of learning how to tap into your resurrection power. Help us to grasp this today, Lord. I believe today that your word goes into good ground, producing not just 30 or 60, but I believe these are hundredfold producers. That your word, which is incorruptible seed, will not return void. That it will go into each and every one of these good hearts and produce the hundredfold that it's intended to do. And they will indeed become history makers, world makers, people who will reach their destiny and leave a great legacy as they tap into this resurrection power through your amazing grace in Jesus' name. Just a moment longer with your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, fear will try and grip you. It'll try and paralyze you. It'll try and torment you. The curse will do its best to affect you in any way it possibly can. The forces of darkness are, are strong, they're great, but not as great as the great I am, Jesus Christ. And when you make the decision to receive Jesus Christ, all those forces of darkness, all fear, all principalities, all darkness is destroyed from your life. But you've got to make a decision to receive him into your life, to make him the Lord of your life. So I ask today, if you've never made the decision to receive Jesus Christ, or you're saying, Pastor, I haven't been living for him the way that I could or the way I should, and today I really want to get my life back on course with Jesus Christ. I want to recommit my heart to Jesus today. If that's you and you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to accept Jesus today, or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. I bring in good news in Romans 10, 13. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. All that matters is what Jesus Christ has done right. So today, it would be my honor and my privilege to pray with you. If you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I need to accept Jesus Christ or I need to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. With every head bowed at this very moment, every eye closed, lift up your hands all over this room. I just want to see who you are just for a moment and you can put your hands down. Thank you for your hands. I see your hands out there. Anyone else who's saying, Pastor, pray for me too. I want to accept Jesus Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. It's not too late. You can still do it. If you've got breath in your lungs, do it now. Thank you so much. I see your hands. Anyone else? You're saying, Pastor, pray for me too. I want to accept Jesus right now. I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. I see your hands. Thank you. Let's do this. Let's put a hand on our heart. Let's pray with those that are making this quality choice and decision. Let's pray with them. Those that are joining us online, please pray this prayer out loud with us as well. And I believe there is no distance in the Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit will be present right now with you as you pray this prayer with us. Pray this out loud, please. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence right now. I receive you into my life. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give them a big hand clap? Let them know how much you love them. Appreciate them. Thank you for joining us today.